Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome back, Up Nexters. It's Gabrielle again and This week, I am somewhat on the road. We're still working on getting our studio up and running. But in the meantime, we wanted to bring to you a very special guest. As you know, every week we bring in up and coming leaders featuring their voices, their stories and what the future of our generation looks like here in the in the United States. But this week, with the election coming up, it's such a pivotal week that I wanted to bring on Jay Richards to come in and speak about what his projections are for the election, what it means for the faith community, and what you can expect come tomorrow. Jay Richards is the executive editor of The Stream, our host here at Up Next, as well as the author of multiple New York Times bestselling books, such as infiltrated, indivisible, money, greed, and God. And I could keep going on and on about what a great asset Jay is and why he's incredibly qualified to not only provide perspective, but also to some more insight about what's going on in this election. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's great to be with you. It's fun to be on this side of things. Now, Jay and I (laughs) kind of came up with this idea of the podcast a a couple of years ago, so it's kind of surreal having him here on the show. It's great being with you, and you you sound great. We really do enjoy it, and we love having it at stream. So I would love to hear from your perspective. Now, I will tell you, for our listeners, if you have any interest in what's going on, you need to be following Jay on Twitter, on Facebook. I think I liked about every single comment you made on Facebook during the presidential debates. They were witty. They were funny. I was like, where is this coming from? It was like a stand-up routine. It's like I need to be frustrated for those things to come out in 140 characters. It was it was truly entertaining. I was watching, you know, your your feed more than I was watching the debate, admittedly. But (laughs) but here we are the day before the election. So much information has come out, whether it's, you know, Director Comey's new information. First, he was coming out and saying, you know, this could lead to a federal investigation. No, maybe not so much. Right. Uh, Every day new polls are coming out, which seem seem pretty polarizing. I mean, it depends on the poll that you're looking at, depending on who's going to win tomorrow. What are your thoughts? Well, honestly, I think it's going to be a squeaker. And I, it was, if I was going to sort of point to one piece right now, there's a really good piece by Henry Olson at National Review uh, that I would point listeners to, uh, really because Henry Olson early on, I mean, three or four years ago, if you were to read him, he was talking about the importance of the white working class demographic in future elections. And of course, that's all anyone can talk about now with this election, because that seems to be at least one of the constituencies that has been charged up by by Donald Trump. And so I, I think that Henry Olson is probably right, that this is going to be a squeaker. I've been saying for months, Gabrielle, that if this, the margin, uh, you know, between Hillary and, and Donald Trump was at 3%, that a Trump victory was quite possible, even if Hillary was 3% ahead in the polls. And the reason I say that is because of something called the shy Tory effect. It's a, it first uh, really at least nailed down and noticed in uh, parliamentary elections in the UK, in which a lot of people 
uh, that were going to vote for the Tories, that is for the Conservative Party, felt social pressure when they were asked by pollsters how they were going to vote. And so Tory voters tended to underreport what they actually were going to do. Either they'd say they were undecided or they'd park their vote with someone else. Well, if there has ever been an election where there was greater social pressure against a candidate, and I don't know what it is. I mean, of course, the mainstream media, certainly here inside the, the Beltway and in the Sela Corridor between, between D.C. and Boston, uh, there's a huge amount of hostility to Mr. Trump, and yet there's a huge amount of, of popular support for him. I mean, anybody that's seen aerial photographs of these rallies, the, the, the Clinton rallies and the Trump rallies, sometimes in the same city, realizes there's a lot of Americans that are strong supporters of Donald Trump. And yet it's very likely that they, a lot of them were not necessarily willing to say that on a telephone call to a pollster. And so I think it's quite likely that there's a shy Trump effect and that he will actually perform better than the polls. And so I've been saying, I just on the record on this months ago, that if it was in three points, uh, that it was going to be a squeaker. And that's where we are. Real Clear Politics has them about, uh, Mrs. Clinton, about two points ahead at the moment. Uh, and as you said, it depends upon what polls you're looking at. But even that two points, I think it's probably closer than that, because for some reason, Real Clear Politics, either yesterday or the day before, decided to drop the LA Times tracking poll that they had been counting, which is an outlier and I think has Trump at five or seven points ahead. But the fact that they dropped it means that the aggregated average that they put together uh, is favoring Hillary even more than it would have otherwise. So I honestly think it's going to be a squeaker. I hope there's enough of a difference, frankly, for the sake of the country, uh, that, that there'll be one clear winner uh, and one clear loser and we won't end up like like 2000. Right. And that LA Times USC daily and tracking poll is actually quite a unique poll in that they take the same cohort and mm -hmm. track them throughout the election. So you're actually seeing not only the support, but you're seeing kind of the the wane of new information and how that's impacting voters in real time. That's right. And that's significant. And so I think we'll, we'll get a test as to whether or not that was a good methodology. I do think that there's a hurting effect on a lot of these polls. Uh, and even Nate Silver at, at 538 admits that, that the opportunity of these polls are starting to look too much alike, which means that the pollsters are probably looking over their shoulder at the other polls. And so with, if you have both a shy Trump effect plus a hurting effect, uh, those are two reasons to think we may get an outcome in this election that's quite different from what the polls are telling us today. Right. Do you think that we will see a Mitt Romney effect again where we see the faith community staying home because maybe they're not the candidate or, you know, with Donald Trump, he may not have the same you know, moral principles that many in the faith community ascribe to? I do think that that's a factor. And if I had to say anything really critical about uh, the Trump campaign, it would be what I think is two very serious mistakes. One is that he did not show much more heartfelt contrition when the, you know, the Billy Bush audio video thing came out. I mean, we've all known, for, everybody knows that Donald Trump has lived a somewhat unsavory life, but I think if he had just sincerely said, look, I said a lot of awful stuff, I ask you to forgive me, and I promise I'm not, I'm not doing that kind of stuff anymore, that people would have forgiven him. But it's been, a, you know, it's been a roadblock. Uh, the other thing is I wish that the Trump campaign had released a religious liberty statement, which, of course, a lot of conservative Christians 
feel that right now. And the campaign has said a lot of good isolated things about religious liberty, but they never had a solid statement alongside some of their other party platforms. And so I honestly do think uh, if Trump loses tomorrow, it, it could be on the margins of social conservatives and Christians, not who vote, not who voted for Hillary Clinton, but just didn't vote or didn't vote at the top of the ticket at all. So I think that that, you know, what uh, Christians that normally vote for Republicans do tomorrow might be the decisive factor. So what would you say for that individual who is on the edge? I mean, it's hard to believe that there are still undecided voters out there. But even this last weekend, I was talking to a, a host of a show I was on, and she said, I honestly think I'm just going to drive to the polling place, close my eyes, and decide then. And I'm looking at her like, you're a college-educated woman. Are you kidding me? How do you not know who you're voting for? But there are more people out there than I think either of us would, would realize. What would you say to those individuals on the fence? Well, I would say, look at first of all, ask yourself on Wednesday how you're going to feel uh, if Hillary Clinton wins. I mean, we know what Hillary Clinton is. We know she's got to be the most demonstrably corrupt candidate ever to run for high office in the United States of America. She will control the Justice Department and the State Department and all the all the institutions and agencies in the executive part of the government. Uh, Donald Trump has a lot of problems, but look at the people he has around him. Uh, ever since Pence was picked uh, as his vice presidential candidate, more and more people have come on board that I think are great people. The Heritage Foundation will be vetting the thousands of civil servants that will be brought in. So I would encourage people, look, if you don't like either of these candidates, I totally understand that. I understand if you have problems with Donald Trump personally. Look at the party platforms, compare them, and think of the thousands of people that will enter the federal government as a result of this election. Uh, if that doesn't sway you, there's not much else that I could say. But I do think sometimes we focus too much on the personality of the individual candidates than actually looking at the practical consequences of what government we'll end up with in January, depending on who's elected. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting to note that you know, if anyone's out there who says, you know, I don't know where the candidates stand or, you know, I'm kind of iffy on on the issues, I mean, we really have no excuse for that. We're living in, you know, a Google generation where you can pull out your iPhone and really do all the research that you need. But I think you made a really brilliant point in that you can watch the first seven minutes of the third debate. And, you know, as someone who's a Christian, that would be the deciding factor, right? We've never Absolutely. seen... Uh, a, a candidate out as in Hillary Clinton talking about partial birth abortion and not blinking to the extent that she did. I mean, we're having a, a normal conversation about something that is just abhorrent murder. It's chilling. It really is. And something that Donald Trump has done that I really commend him for is he's actually made the life issue a litmus test for his selections to the court. That's something that no other presidential candidate has ever done. The Democrats have been making their, their pro-abortion stance a litmus test for decades, uh, but the Republicans don't do that. Donald Trump did, did that, and whether he wins or loses, that may become the new sort of standard for GOP candidates for president as a result. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It was interesting. I was up at Trump Tower last week working with a couple of evangelical leaders and Sissy Graham Lynch, who is the granddaughter of Billy Graham, the daughter of Franklin Graham was there, not representing her family, but coming out as a mother 
who's also a millennial as well, saying, I realize that this election is not about the next four years, but it's about the next 40 years. And as Christians, we can, you know, come out and, and there are complaints on both sides with both candidates, but they're imperfect people. We are electing to lead an imperfect nation. And to your point, Jay, I think you made a really good point is that it's it's about the issues and it's about the policies and the platforms of what you're talking about is you actually look and see what these two parties, because we still do live in a two-party system for for many uh, particularly millennials, but many of other generations who are staying home or they're writing in a third candidate, I really encourage them to look at it in a different light. Yeah. I mean, this is something like it or not, the way our presidential uh, republic is set up, it's not like a parliamentary system where you can have lots of different parties that form coalition governments. The way our system is set up, the coalitions are actually formed at the party level. So there are structural reasons why you end up with these two large parties at the national level. And so it, that's what ends up, whether you like it or not, that's what makes the decision binary. And so the question shouldn't be for conservatives, um, well, do I like Donald Trump? Or you know, the question is not, should I prefer him to some other candidate? Of course, maybe he was your last choice. But the question is, who do you vote for compared to who he's uh, against compared to what is the question. So maybe you wouldn't have liked Louis the uh, if you'd been in <laughs> France in the late 1700s, but, but Louis was preferable to the radicals in the French Revolution, and that's what's relevant. Maybe Donald Trump wasn't your favorite candidate, uh, but can you honestly say that he d is not preferable to Hillary Clinton? That's really the question. Yeah. And it certainly is a false dichotomy to say you don't want to choose the lesser of two evils, when I'll often encourage people and kind of joke around a bit that Jesus is never going to be on the ballot. That means that there's never going to be a perfect candidate. And it's your responsibility and your opportunity as a voter to then do your homework and choose which candidate and which party most closely aligns to your principles. That's right. And I do think there'll be many people who were not, it's not really a, the shy Trump factor, but just people that for whatever reason said, look, I don't want to speak publicly in favor of Donald Trump, but then when it comes down to it, they start thinking about the life issue, for instance, religious liberty or business, whatever, uh, that will do it privately in the voting booth. Uh, either way, though, we're going to know the answer to that very soon. Yep, just, just a few hours away here. Well, Jay Richards, thank you so much for joining us here on Up Next. It was an honor to have our fearless leader here on the show. And I guess we will all find out what happens tomorrow. But I just want to acknowledge you for your leadership uh, in our organization, the stream for, you know, fighting for truth and for, of course, your very witty tweets. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Great to be with you. <laughs>